Hi, and welcome to an episode of the Jet Rails podcast. I'm Robert Rand, your host. And today I'm joined by Jose Lee, the founder and CEO at 71 Pounds. Uh, we're going to be talking with you today about, uh, you know, if you're leaving money on the table with your shipping carriers, if in essence, uh, you're uh, using up some of your revenue stream in ways that you don't need to be in ways that you could potentially be recovering. And uh, Jose, if, if you'd like to introduce yourself a bit, uh, you know, this is actually, a, I believe, our first time getting to chat directly. So excited to get to meet you and, and learn more about uh, what you do and, and how you've been developing in the e-commerce industry. Uh, sure. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for, for, for the invitation. Uh, um, so a little bit, a little bit of background on, on, on myself and the company. Uh, I spent the last 20 years in the intersection of retail, e-commerce, logistics. Uh, used to work for, for Alibaba.com. Uh, did supply chain and logistics for Jamba Juice. At the time, we were 450 stores. So we had two and a half people trying to get product out uh, to the different distribution centers and, and stores. And then uh, went to the, quote, dark side uh, to FedEx and, and ran the retail and e-commerce practice for six or seven years there. And then, and, uh, you know, I just found a, a number of things, uh, inefficiencies in small, medium and large companies had in regards to shipping and logistics. So about uh, seven years ago, decided to leave FedEx and, and started 71 pounds. And that's where we are today. So at a high level, 71 pounds does two things for our customers. One, we help uh, customers save money on shipping costs. And two, we help them understand their shipping costs. And, you know, I, I have to ask, I just did a taping a few days ago with uh, the ShipBob team, and I asked them about the company name, and I, I was <laughs> very pleasantly uh, surprised by, you know, just how interesting the background was. So, uh, I, I don't know, I, for anyone that's listened to the, the last episode, uh, <laughs> they've set a high bar over there at ShipBob, but um, could you tell me a little bit about where 71 pounds comes from uh, as a name? Sure. So there's over 250, 300 uh, types of surcharges that uh, that the carriers actually invoice customers on. Uh, a couple of examples, uh, residential surcharges, if, if your package has you know, different dimensions that are outside of, of the of the ones that you input it, uh, if you have any address corrections, et cetera, et cetera. So one of those uh, surcharges is is when your package weighs over 70 pounds. And uh, for parcel shipping, uh, both FedEx and UPS can actually ship packages up to 150 pounds. Uh, but it's interesting because in Europe, uh, where there's probably 20 or, or more shipping carriers, so there's more competition, uh, you actually don't see the surcharge. And the surcharge goes anywhere from nine dollars to a hundred and twenty dollars depending on 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 the type of service that you choose so the u.s merchants are typically charged this uh surcharge this additional fee uh, a i don't think that it's fair because uh, you know merchants are actually paying for the for the weight of that uh, shipment uh two they they get to only charge it in the u.s versus other places in the world uh, three, it's a little bit of sarcasm because we want to call it out on the carriers. Uh, 
and four, uh, you know, typically people that are that are in the shipping industry are aware of the of the surcharge. Uh, people that are not uh, actually find the name curious, so they they kind of come to us and ask us why the name seventy one pounds. So it starts a conversation. So yeah. those are a few of the reasons why we called it seventy one pounds. Yeah, mission accomplished. Um, yeah, and that's interesting. You know, that I always think of the airlines torturing us with, with all those baggage fees, but. Uh, you know, I, I guess that's part of why 71 pounds is out there because the uh, the shipping carriers are doing it too. So, you know, part of what's interested me th- uh, through the years about y- your company is that um, I've spent a lot of time working on conversion rate optimization with merchants. Uh, and on the podcast, we've had many conversations on that topic already where we're looking at what can you do to improve the traffic that you're bringing to your site, you know, so that you're bringing people that are more likely to purchase and what can you do on site, you know, in terms of conversion rate optimization to improve the chances that they're going to get from landing on your site to checkout um, and to, to making that purchase. Now, you know, and we also look at things like uh, optimizing the, the average order value, you know, and, and the lifetime value of a customer. How do you get them to spend more? How do you get them to keep coming back? And what, what's so interesting about what your team does is, from my perspective, that, uh, you, you know, you're looking at a whole other angle of, yeah, but uh, is your overhead higher than it should be? Are you paying fees that you shouldn't be or, or don't need to be? Are you being overtaxed and overcharged? Um, and I, I think that that's always, you know, pretty amazing because um, what you do really doesn't have a lot of impact on, let's say, web development. Um, it, it doesn't require the same level of, uh, of, of maybe, you know, t- test and measure or, uh, or, you know, work in order to find the sweet spot. It's, it's a tried and tested methodology. <laughs> they've, they've got invoices. They've got packages that have been sent out and they may have money sitting on the table. Is, does that sound about right? Yeah, for the most part it is. I mean, uh, you, you bring up a, uh, an excellent point, right? I mean, I'm very familiar with, uh, with trying to help merchants, e-commerce merchants optimize on conversion rates and, and, and traffic and checkout processes, et cetera. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've seen that uh, shipping cost it's probably the third largest uh, line item on an e-commerce merchant's P&L. So after cost of goods sold and after uh, headcount or payroll, shipping is probably about 10% of an e-commerce uh, merchant's revenues. So an e-commerce merchant that's doing $10 million in online sales, uh, to a T, they're probably going to be spending a million dollars in shipping costs. And a lot of that is, hey, I have to get my FedEx driver, my UPS driver to come and pick up the packages because I need to, you know, fulfill the orders. And a lot of times it's kind of like a, you know, it's, it's kind of like an autopilot. But, but you know, we've seen that. And again, we being on the other side of the table as well, being shippers, you know, we just didn't have the time to look at a invoice before, look at a tracking number. Was it actually late? Do I even know how to file a claim? Uh, do I even know what to compare my invoice against? Uh, I don't know when, you know, Robert, when when the last time you looked at a, at a FedEx or a UPS invoice, but it's it's so, uh, you know, complicated and, and 
Oh, yeah. And uh, complex, in, in my opinion. And it's done, you know, sometimes on purpose because they, you know, the carriers don't want to make, uh, help you understand shipping costs, you know, and make apples to apples comparisons so you can actually shift carriers or make different decisions. And, and, and I think that's the core of what we do. Uh, you know, I mentioned to you, you know, the first thing that we do is we help customers save money in shipping. But the second one is how do we help them understand their shipping costs so they can have more insights, uh, better insights, and actually make better business decisions as a result of, you know, the, the dashboard that we provide to them or the information or the in sites or any kind of metrics that we provide to them so they can actually make better decisions, uh, be more armed uh, when they talk to their FedEx or UPS rep and actually have a, 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 a little bit of a, of a more level set uh, playing field when they have these conversations with them. Well, and I, I can say that, you know, from personal experience with those reps that, you know, that it, it reminds me almost, uh, you know, when I... <laughs> A number of years ago now, uh, when my wife and I went to plan our wedding and you go to meet with, uh, you know, with, with all these vendors. And the first thing that they'll usually ask you is, what's your budget? <laughs> As if you know what, you know, what a, I don't know, a photographer should go for these days for a wedding or, you know, or florist or any of the, these these other things. And, um, you know, and, and you're, to some extent, you you have to shop around a little bit. You have to do certain things because there's this learning curve. Uh, my experience in dealing with some of the shipping carriers, unless you're really pitting them up against each other, investing a good amount of time, you don't know what you don't know. So you look at the invoice or you look at the agreement that they put forward with your discounted rates and such. You don't have always the, especially you know, if you haven't been doing it for enough years, you don't have the best baseline. Um, you know, I, I personally grew up around a, a wholesale and manufacturing business. Uh, my family's been in, in the, the purse, the handbag business since 1969. I, I remember uh, as, a, as a kid stamping um, shipping labels with a rubber stamp for a penny each as <laughs> part of earning my keep. Uh, you know, so I pulled into that at a younger age and, you know, experiencing some of that. I, I think that for a lot of merchants um, that they are a little bit at, at the mercy of, uh, you know, of these carriers and, like you say, that you know, stopping to actually check these things doesn't always uh, really come up as an opportunity, or you know, there's just not enough knowledge out there. So, you know, with that in mind, what are some of these surcharges? Some of these fees? What are some of these things that that should get optimized? That maybe your average uh, e-commerce seller or other retailers and such just might not be aware of. Yeah, I would I would I would mention a few. You know, I, I think the first one is the the late delivery uh, policy that that the carriers have. So, as a merchant, uh, as a retailer, as a company that ship in packages with the carriers, uh, you ship a package from, you know, New York City. You want it uh, tomorrow uh, at eight o'clock in the morning in in Houston, Texas, or at ten thirty in the morning, or at three thirty in the afternoon. You're going to purchase uh, specific service types, uh, service uh, services from from the carriers, and and each of those are going to have a, a, a different price based on the guarantee time commitment. So what happens is if is that if the UPS driver, for example, delivers at 10:31 uh, in the morning 
or later on a 1030 delivery, uh, you as the as the shipper, as the owner of that shipping account, you're entitled to get 100% of that shipping cost back. The catch is that the refund is not automatic. So the carrier may say to you, hey, Robert, uh, you know, if, if you're signed up on alerts, for example, they may say to you, hey, Robert, you know, your package was delivered at 1044 in the, in the morning. Uh, what they don't say to you is, uh, Robert, because we did not meet our guaranteed time commitment, uh, we are refunding you your $47.95. They, they don't say that, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and that's something that most companies, most uh, people in general are not aware of. It's a policy that's been around for the last 25 years. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit manual. It's cumbersome. Uh, you have to do some research. You have to, you know, take some time. Uh, call on the phone, um, you know, with the carriers, uh, ask for information, you know, first of all, wait and, and, and on, 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 on hold and, and make these claims. And uh, it's just manual, cumbersome, inefficient, uh, depending on who you ask, $2 billion with the B or more are left unclaimed every year. Yeah. So that, that makes sense. I mean, who, you know, it, now a lot of those overnight shipments and I, I've gotten some refunds myself, uh, you know, on, on some business shipments that way. But, you know, who really is watching and who has the time? Uh, not an easy one. So, you know, I, I think that they are hoping that you won't take the time to wait on hold and uh, and deal with that. And I guess depending on the amount and uh, and your staffing situation and back to knowledge, uh, probably not happening on average. Yeah, true. So, so there, there is a, a lot of lack of awareness, and uh, and that's what a lot of what we do. You know, we try to educate and 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 inform uh, our customers about this. And a little bit of what we did is we just created a system to you know. So, so let me back a little bit. So, when I was at FedEx, I was like, oh, okay, there's this money back guarantee policy. On purpose, the carriers don't make it easy. Uh, and, you know, the larger companies have obviously more resources, whether it's people or systems or ERP, whatever, just different different resources at, at their disposal. Uh, the small and the medium-sized companies didn't have it because, as, as, you know, they're just constrained for, for time and for people and resources. And I just thought that there had to be a better way. So, you know, that's what, what we created, 71 pounds. We, we created a system. Contingency-based uh, companies sign up with us for free. Uh, they give us their information, and, and our system automatically identifies uh, late shipments. We file the claims electronically uh, with the carrier on behalf of our customers, and the money goes directly from the carrier into our customer shipping accounts. So, you know, a, a little bit of what we used to call it before, it's, it, it is a little bit of a set and forget. You know, customers sign up, and they don't have to do anything. Uh, you know, our system just puts, you know, unexpected money back into the bottom line. And, and that's what a lot of our customers really, really like about it. You know, who doesn't like, you know, unexpected money into their, into their, into their, into their bottom line. Um, so yes, we, we, we're trying to, you know, keep the carers honest, honest. We're trying to, you know, democratize, uh, a, a, a piece of the shipping process because again, small, medium-sized companies don't have the resources that the larger guys have, and we just think that this is something that 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 helps uh, companies overall. Very interesting. Uh, you know, 
especially being contingency based, uh, in essence, you know, not much of a barrier to entry for, you know, for merchants to try on the service, see what it does for them. But um, do you see a difference between retailers and wholesalers, businesses that are primarily uh, shipping to residential addresses versus businesses shipping to commercial addresses? As far as uh, failure rates or as far as what? Um, I'd say as as far as, uh, you know, how the... Um, the fees overall, surcharges, things that they may run into. Um, you know, sometimes I, I I often see a lot of residential surcharges, and I wonder if sometimes those are overdone. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point, right? So, so because uh, you know, in principle, a, a residential address uh, incurs a little bit of an incremental operational cost for the carrier to 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 deliver that package. There is that residential fee, which is applied to to residential packages. Uh, so that's one. There's also rural uh, surcharges. So so there's there's a difference between you know what are what are typically uh, you know area area you know destinations and rural areas, and there's an uh, an additional fee for that. You know, for the most part, also uh, residential packages have a later uh, delivery guarantee time than than commercial, so there's a little bit of of a trade off there. But but in general, yes, the residential packages actually incur a higher cost for the for the carrier, which is translated to the shipper or the merchant, which eventually the consumer has to pay for. Yeah. So maybe some of those because there is a little bit of a higher cost to the uh, to the carrier. Maybe some of that's more. Le- I don't want to overstate it, but I'll say legitimate, for lack of a better word, than the, uh, the charging the, the heavy surcharge for over 70 pounds. Um, but you know, a little, little bit of give there. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, do carriers sometimes deny the claims that your team puts through? I'd imagine that you've got pretty polished systems for both identifying when something is justified as a claim and, and for submitting it, um, and perhaps even that the claims that your team files might even be looked at a little bit differently. Um, you know, uh, there are lots of systems that get used in the e-commerce world, whether it's for sales tax management or for, you know, for lots of things that, you know, sometimes get a, handled a little bit differently. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the sales tax company, uh, you know, management systems like to think that they make you a bit more audit proof you say that your your claims have a pretty high rate of uh, approval? We like to believe so. I mean, there's always room for improvement, as, as always. So we operate on a Kaizen, which is continuous improvement mentality. Uh, you know, we've been doing this for a number of years. Uh, there, there is a number of reasons why the carriers deny claims. You know, acts of God, weather, thunderstorm. Um, hey, the plane had a malfunction, you know, and, and a lot of times that is a particular example. That's not really, a, a, you know, the, the responsibility of the shipper. But, yes, those are some claims that get denied. And, and you know, what we do, which, which I think we do differently from other companies, is we actually go, uh, you know, beyond the automated claims and we actually call the carriers and, and, and fight those claims, uh, because we believe that those are actually 
uh, late and should be refunded to 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 the customer. So, so even though most of our uh, process is automated, uh, we like to think of of it as a uh, human backed automation. So we do have humans uh, on top of the automation that you know try to fight fight for every claim for our customers because that's that's what we that's what we want to do for them. And how do you get the data in the first place? Do you connect with their shipping carrier accounts? Do you touch anything on the the e-com side or ERP or any other systems? Uh, not on the e-com or other systems. So, so customers sign up with us and they give us a carrier credentials, and then our systems actually grab that data uh, through normalizing the data uh, and doing a number of scripts and algorithms that we built in house. Interesting. And, you know, is it all, let's, let's call it, uh, you know, automated? Is it all driven by algorithms and, uh, you know, and tools? Or do you have some, some manual processes in there also for certain situations? Yeah, I like to think that, you know, 90% of our process is automated, that it is, uh, you know, on, on, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I look at this business as a process-based business. You know, you follow step one, you follow steps two. If if you get a different branch, you know, on a, or a decision tree, you follow, you know, 3A and 3B. And, you know, we had a choice at the beginning, you know, can we do this on, on humans, which a lot of other companies do, or do we want to build this uh, to serve, you know, the small and the medium and the, and the, and the, and the, and the longer tail of, of the market. And we decided to automate this, everything's on the cloud. And, you know, besides the, the couple of examples that I mentioned to you on the, on the follow-up claims uh, with our, with our people here, uh, most of it is automated. And, you know, I you know and and it's interesting you because know, I started earlier looking at this uh, a little bit you know saving uh, money for the merchant themselves. Have you seen from these efforts? Uh, obviously, you're collecting a lot of uh, a lot of data. Uh, I know that your tool sets have some analytics for the the merchant that you have some reporting for them. Do you see? You know, do you see it also as an opportunity, maybe to to get their their shipping costs down for their shoppers, so that they, you know, back to conversion optimization, so that they're more competitive in the market. Um, does that sometimes come into play, figuring out almost you know better better logistics and and costs, you know, to make the the entire operation more efficient, um, as opposed to just you know improving the bottom line a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a lot of that's a lot of the 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 value added, if you want to call it that way, uh, you know, benefits that we provide. So so we have a lot of conversations with the customer, whether it's you know thirty day reviews, ninety day reviews. We go over you know some of the savings that we uh, that we have been able to provide, but at the same time we're asking them, you know, hey Robert, uh, you know, you're selling you know, accessories for phones. How are you, how are you sourcing the, your merchandise? Is it domestically? Is it overseas? If you're bringing it from overseas, what kind of, how many, how many import containers are you bringing in every month? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of, of the recent, uh, you know, trade uh, changes that, uh, that the government, 
government has had over the last few weeks, and that's changed sure, a lot of, of the uh, a lot of the import process because these are, you know, tariffs and duties that are affecting that used to be at the two percent level, and now some of them are going up to twenty five or twenty seven percent. So. A lot of these merchants are like, "Hey, what do I do? Do I just, you know, transfer the cost over to the consumer?" Yeah, yeah, you you can, but you know, I don't know how competitive you're going to be. So there's a number of ways that uh, that you know merchants can structure their supply chain, and uh, and we don't get too much into it, but but yes, these are some ways in which we can actually help them. So we we help customers with imports, for example. So we. We, we were able to leverage our the volume and the economies of scale that we have with our thousands of customers. And, you know, I, I'd be very comfortable putting our import rates for a container from, you know, China to LA. And it would probably be very, very competitive against what a merchant can actually get uh, by themselves. So these are ways in which we help our customers also in their logistics. Uh, there's ways that companies can actually uh, save on their duties and taxes, for example, using a foreign trade zone or, for example, deferring the cost of those duties and taxes by using a number of ways that, that you know, could help on their efficiencies there. Um, so, yes, even though we start out with, re- with parcel refunds, with parcel analytics, uh, you know, again, at the end of the day, how do we help our customers save money on shipping? And then shipping is probably a, a little bit of a broader word because it's not just parcel, but also freight costs, you know, import containers. What can we do overall to help customers? And and yes, to your earlier point, you know, I, I'm sure you're very, very aware of this. I mean, a lot of the merchants are like, okay, hey, I need to offer free shipping. How do I, you know, get into these kind of you know, costs in order to do this. And a lot of that is just, you know, you know, entrepreneur to entrepreneur. Hey, th- these are a few of the ways that I would take a look at the, at, at offering free shipping. You know, maybe increase your, you know, order value. You know, if you're offering free shipping for $50 minimum, you know, maybe raise it up to 75 How does that change your cost? Uh, is there a way that you can bundle certain products or is there a way that you can segment your, your consumer base and offer free shipping or uh, a different type of delivery experience to your A customers versus your B customers or, you know, just different ways to to try to help them optimize that way as well. Sure. And look, sometimes they'll bring up their average order value or, or have other fringe benefits to those efforts. So. I've always found e-commerce, and I think most do, to really be a, a test and measure kind of environment. There's so much data that you know you, you really do need to find the right path for your individual business. That uh, you know, I think, <laughs> you know, and, and at JetRails, um, you know, we mainly work with with medium size and, and enterprise businesses, so folks that uh, you know that on the hosting side that need dedicated servers and, and clusters and, you know, cloud management. Um, you know, I, I like to think of every merchant as a snowflake, that no two are exactly the same. Um, speaking of on, on your side, uh, what would a, the average size business that would come over to 71 pounds look like? Or, or what would be an, an entry level where I imagine they have to have at least a certain shipping volume to really 
you know, see benefit um, of any scale, although, you know, it, it doesn't probably doesn't take too much. Yeah, so so that's uh, that's probably an incorrect assumption that that a lot of uh, customers or potential prospects actually have. So so yes, we built this in a way that it's that it uh, as I said before, for the most part, automated. Uh, I mean, I you know I, I'm always looking for a next customer. I don't, we we don't discriminate on on shipping volume. So if you're shipping, you know, ten thousand packages a week or 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 ten packages a year. Uh, I believe that we are able to provide value to our customers. So yes, the, the customers that are shipping more packages theoretically are going to get more refunds just because of the volume. But we also see customers that spend, you know, that that ship, uh, you know, lower quantities, see value and say, hey, I I had no idea that my FedEx costs were A or B. And uh, and I'm glad that I have a, a dashboard that I can actually take a look at my shipping costs and my discounts on my metrics and different ways like that. I had no idea where my I had an idea, but I, I never visualized where my consumers were actually located in the U.S. So your your interactive map allows me to get an idea that my top three states that I ship to are you know, New York, California, and you know you know. Nevada. I'm, I'm making it up. So, so I, I, I do believe that for the most part, we do offer, uh, you know, features, benefits to our customers that 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 they uh, that they see of value. Um, so again, we're always. I mean, we have a pipeline. We'd like to build another ten things over the next, you know, six to nine months. And and the question is really, you know, as you probably know. Uh, a question of resources. How do we prioritize? Uh, one, one of the biggest, you know, issues that we have here is, you know, what do we say no to, or what do we say not yet to, and and that's what we're always constantly trying to prioritize. And you know, what's the next service that we build? What's the next feature? What is the next uh, program that we build for our customers? And uh, you know, again, that just makes uh, that just makes the journey as as fun, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Prioritizing that backlog. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's one heck of a wish list. Um, I, I do hope that as uh, your team puts out some new cool stuff that you'll join us again for another episode uh, that we'll get to uh, to keep up. Um, certainly, I always uh, you know enjoy being in touch with your team and, uh, you know, seeing some great stuff. Um, I, I really do appreciate you coming on today. Um, any final words or thoughts? Uh, no. Well, first of all, thank you for for the invitation uh, uh, as well. I, you know, always always happy to share uh, any insights, any information, anything that we can help. You know, in general, you know, merchants, e-commerce companies in general. Uh, you know, at the same time. I'm always looking for what's what's the next you know what's the next service that we want to build. So yes, we do have a pipeline of you know of 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 things that are that are that we're constantly balancing. But I'm always eager to hear from you know customers, non-customers, people in general. Hey, I think it would be cool if you were to do X or if somebody were to do X or Y or Z. And I think that's that's personally what what drives me and 
you know, helps me, uh, you know, be motivated to, to get up in the morning and actually come to work. I, I, I believe that uh, we're building things that have not been built in this industry. Uh, you know, shipping, shipping is a, it's a huge industry. It's it's been you know over a hundred billion dollars if you count FedEx and UPS. If you count the USPS, probably over two hundred and fifty billion dollars. But one of the things that I've always said to to our team here and to you know just just friends in general is, I don't think that there's been a lot of change and a lot of a lot of innovation. I I, I personally think that the last piece of innovation happened forty five years ago and it was called FedEx, and and. You know, since that time, there hasn't been any major changes, and uh, and and yes, it does take it does take uh, a huge investment. You know, I mean, anybody that wants to compete against FedEx or UPS, you probably it, it won't be a startup. You have to have you know tens of billions of dollars to put in airports and airplanes and trucks and you know the whole network. But I, I believe that we're doing this through software. I believe we're doing this through data. I believe that we're doing this through information and insights that can actually help customers become more efficient and, and overall, you know, help improving their bottom line. So so those are a few of the things that we that we're working on here at seventy one pounds. Fantastic. Well, and I really do appreciate the fact that it sounds like your company scales from top to bottom from you know, true SMB through true enterprise. So, uh, you know, I, I have a strong affinity for the little guy um, and, you know, making sure that they get all the help that they can. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. And, uh, you know, I, who knows with Amazon and others out there, there may be some stronger competitors in the years to come. Uh, we, we may see some change in the market. You never know. Uh, you know, Uber and Lyft have certainly made a dent in the taxi market pretty quickly. So uh, I don't think anyone's really safe out there uh, in the with the tech world uh, able to displace the way that it does. Um, f- for our listeners, um, thanks for t- tuning in to another episode. Uh, feel free to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we love hearing from our listeners. So whether you have an idea for another episode or have a thought on one that we've created, uh, feel free to connect directly with us at jetrails.com or uh, through social media. Uh, you can find JetRails on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and we're always happy for your comments and thoughts. Thanks and happy selling. <laughs>